Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. So, in our study of the book of Matthew, looking at um, the coming of Messiah, that Matthew, a Jewish man, um, who we're going to meet today, um, at the end, very briefly, is presenting the Jewish Messiah to the Jewish people. And so, as we have been looking at it, we've seen that he has presented the, um, the lineage of Messiah, that in his birth, that his forerunner, to, to prove that Jesus is exactly who he claimed to be, that he was the long-for-awaited Messiah for the Jewish people, that he was the one who was going to come. Jesus then began to teach after he had been tried in the wilderness. He came, he began to teach, and his, his summary of his teaching in one sentence is, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Change the way you think. The Greek word metanoia means literally change the way you think. Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of the heavens is drawn near. So then he began to continue that teaching, as we saw as we took time um, going through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus as well told his disciples that if they would follow him, he commanded them to follow, but if they would follow him, that he would make them a promise, and that was he was going to cause them to be fishers of men. So he began then to teach them in that Sermon on the Mount, and we saw that the kingdom standard was a different standard, but that we saw as well at the very end of it, the conclusion of it, that the people were amazed at the teachings of Jesus because he taught as one who had authority. And so last week, we discussed the fact that authority, for it to be true authority, has to be backed by power, dunamis. So in the Greek, the word exousia is the word authority, but it has to be backed by dunamis or power. That's where we get our word dynamite, okay? So that, again, the illustration of the the, the cop on the road, you see the blue lights flashing behind you. It doesn't matter. I see flashing lights a lot of times. You know, it could be at a Mexican restaurant. It could be different places. I don't get in fear by those things. I don't pull my car over when I drive past those restaurants. But for some reason, a car with flashing blue lights behind me has a certain effect upon me. It says to me, pull over. <laughs> Make sense? And it's not something about the car. It's the power behind what the blue lights represent. Do we get it? So, in the same way, Jesus taught with authority because behind his authority was power. And that's what we're beginning to see now. Last week, we began to see the display of his power. That he wasn't just a man. He was God in the flesh. And so, Messiah, when he came, if you again look at the book of Isaiah, um, in Isaiah 48, we see that... I think you alluded to this as well um, in your communion time, that in Isaiah we read that, that Yahweh Adonai in his spirit, Ruach, have sent then Yahweh. That's what Yahweh declares. Yahweh declares in Isaiah 48, he says, and now Yahweh Adonai in his spirit, in his Ruach, have sent me. The Trinity is not a New Testament teaching. It's an Old Testament teaching. Go to Zechariah chapter 2, where Yahweh again declares that Yahweh Sabaoth has sent him. Go to Zechariah chapter 12, where we're told that Yahweh declares that he is going to come back and he's going to dwell in their midst, and they're going to look upon him whom they have pierced. So this is Yahweh in the flesh. Mind-boggling to me. Hard for me to comprehend, but that's who Jesus is. He's Yahweh in the flesh. He has come and he's living in the midst of his people just exactly as he said he would. And now he's displaying to them the power that he has because he is the what? 
the creator God. He's the one who's created everything. And so as the creator, he has the power over everything. And so the first thing we saw was his display of his power over disease and nature. And if you remember those, when we looked at the diseases, there was the infectious diseases. There was the paralytic. Remember, I said to kind of remember that because we're going to come back to the paralytic a little bit later on in this message, okay? But you had the paralytic who was the servant of the centurion who Jesus did what to? He healed. He healed him. Important, remember, remember? He healed this, that, that paralytic, the centurion servant, from a distance, from a distance, showing his power, displaying his authority and his power. But the key word there that I want you to remember for today is that he healed him. He healed that paralytic because he must have been paralyzed due to a what? Disease of some form, okay? And then um, he goes on and he continued... Um, Oh, before that, he healed the leper, right? Infectious skin disease. And then after that, he healed um, Peter's mother-in-law, who had the fever, probably having an um, infection within him, her as well. Okay? And then from there, they leave Capernaum, and they get on a boat, and they're going to go to the other side. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Okay? But on the way to the other side, these fishermen in a boat have a bad thing happen. There's a storm. Now, do you think that these guys have ever been in a storm before? Sure they have. But this is a what? This is a big one. Now, do you think that as fishermen who go out on the lake every night, this is going to come to play a little bit later on, okay? Do you think fishermen who go out, in the, who, who go out on the lake every night to fish, do you think they know how to tell the, the, the sky and what's coming? They, they could feel the wind coming. They would know something's coming. So apparently they must have thought what? It was an okay night to what? To travel. But now all of a sudden what? Storm comes out of the blue. A huge storm comes out of the blue, one in which they cannot what? Overcome. So in their kernel of faith, Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. He doesn't say, oh, you of no faith. He says, oh, you of little faith. Because, again, they're forgetting who's with him. They already saw all that he did, and here he is with them. Do they really think that he's going to drown? And so they go to him and say, Lord, what? Save us. Save us. And so they, they know where to turn, but they're panicking. They're having anxiety rather than rejoicing and being thankful for it. You know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're having anxiety. But then they cry to God, save us. And Jesus wakes up because he's sleeping. And he says, oh, you have little faith. And then what does he do? With just a word, peace, be still, he calms the storm. So that's where we're at. That's where we come in. Because today we're going to go on to the other side. And we're going to see Jesus then showing, revealing that his authority by his power over demons and sin. So if you remember, I said this is going to be looking in the, the physical realm and then in the, also the spiritual realm. So we have last week looked at that physical realm. Today we're jumping headlong into the spiritual realm. Okay, Probably into areas that we don't even want to know exists. So, Matthew 8. We run into a snag real quick that I want to talk about as we come into this, okay? Because we, we read, Chuck read, that they went across the sea to the, to, to the, to the area of the Gergesenes, right? Mark chapter 5 says this is the country of the Gadarenes. Luke 8 says this is the country of the Gadarenes. So we have an issue. People, that, people love to make an issue anytime they see something that's a little bit different, Okay. But this is a no-brainer. And it's kind of fun, actually, to see because, again, people, in their ignorance, they debate things, okay? So, at the end of those readings, Matthew chapter 8, verse 34, okay, and then you can see the other ones, we read that the people came out and they begged him to depart from their 
region, another term. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Luke 8 says, Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, I like to do this with the, the, um, the Good News Club kids. And so I thought I'd do it real quick with you all because I thought to myself, you know what? A lot of people really don't love maps like I love maps. And so, I mean, so this is a, like, this is a fun thing for me. But I want you to kind of see what we're talking about here, okay? So here we are over in Augusta, Georgia, pretty much close to where that, that arrow is. And we're going to talk about a spot that you can't even see right now over there in Israel. So let's get a little bit closer. Now all of a sudden, in the back, can you still see that? Can you see that little blue dot way up there where the arrow is pointing? Barely. Barely. That's the Sea of Galilee. It's called Lake Tiberias, too, Lake Kenethereth, because it's called Sea, but you can see that it's really not huge. This is the Mediterranean what? This is the red what? That doesn't look like a sea. Anyways, but that's what it's called, the Sea of Galilee, right? Or it's also called the, the Lake of Gennesareth or the, the um, Lake of Tiberias, okay? And so you can call it a lake or you can call it a sea, whatever you want to call it. But that's the area we're talking about. So now we're going to get a little bit closer here. And you can see Capernaum. Capernaum is on that northwest corner, okay? Now, in that corner, there's also a, um, an opening in the mountains where a lot of times wind would gush through and they would cause instant storms on the, on the, uh, on the lake, on the, uh, the sea. Okay, so, but the, again, the fishermen would what? They know about that, okay? It's not something that took them by surprise, but it kind of gives you an idea of where we're at with Jerusalem and Nazareth, and there's Capernaum. Now, in that area then, okay, which is very important, what you want to see here is this word Decapolis. And then down here, Samaria, and then here it's called what? Galilee, okay? The Decapolis literally means ten cities. That's the Roman territory. That's the territory of the, the Gentiles, Samaria, that's the area of who? Samaritans. Kind of makes sense. Up here, this is Jewish territory. That's the Galilean area, okay? And so you can see the Galilean area separated from the Judean area down here. That's why when you go down, and this is for free later on, when you think this through, when they're down there in Jerusalem, they're talking like what? Galileans. Make sense? That's like being down here and you got somebody from Boston shows up. And they, they begin to pack the cod and the yard, you know? And you're like, you're not from this area, are you? <laughs> Some, something's a little bit different about this thing, you know, okay? And so in the same, area, same way, you know, they would have this kind of little lingo or uh, accent, accent that, that's going on that would be different than everybody else. So all this is going on, but what I want you to see in this picture, picture then, this gets a little bit more detailed, so I think some of you can see it. See this word here? What's that city's name? Gadara. Up here, Gergesa. Okay, so there's two cities. Um, it's also it's called Kirsa today. The word Gergesa is called Kirsa today. You can find it on the map. It's K H E R S A. Kirsa still exists in ruins and stuff like that. Okay, and so Gergesa was up here on, near Capernaum in that area. However, the major city of the region was Gadara, and so it was the region of the Gadarenes. But the city of um, Gergesa was in that, in that region. Does that make sense? So it, kind of, it makes sense. So when they go over to the area of the Gadarenes, it kind of makes sense. It was the region of the Gadarenes. That's why at the very end, each one of those all refer to the Gadarenes. Okay? And so note Luke even mentions that when they sailed over to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite of Galilee. Make sense? So it's a side opposite. So... There's details. Again, I mentioned this in Sunday school. God's Word gives us details, and there's a reason it gives us details. 
Okay? Because God knows, right? And so he wants us to know the truth. So, so anyways, so here we are in coming, using Google Earth now, coming down a little bit closer. We have Capernaum right here. And we have this opposite side, side opposite of Galilee, which is the, the region of the Gadarenes. Okay? Kirsa is located up here. And note the, the, the um, land formation that goes down along the east side of the uh, Sea of Galilee. What do you see? Mountains. Isn't that kind of interesting? Okay? And so what do we read? That he's where? This, we're going to see the demoniacs in a moment. Okay? And they're, lo- they're in the, the tombs that are located in the mountains. Okay? And so that's exactly what we have right there. So first thing we see as we go through this now, that was the setting where, where it's going to go. We're going to talk a little bit about some individuals okay? as we go through this. There's multiple different ways to consider this. I want to consider looking at the individuals that are going through. And I have to go quickly because we've got a lot to cover today. First, I want to consider the disciples. A lot of times we forget about the disciples. But they're there. Where were they? They're watching. They're in a boat. Do you know that Mark even includes the fact that during the middle of that storm, there were actually multiple boats. There wasn't just the boat that Jesus was on, but you can read Mark chapter 5. And there were other little boats that were with Jesus. Okay? And so they saw, as well, the, the, um, that miracle on, on, the, on the sea. Okay? And I don't know whether those little boats are still hanging with them or not, but they get to the other side. And so now we have these disciples. And what's really important for me here, is I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, is the process of discipleship. Okay? Discipleship isn't necessarily just meeting for one hour a week, going through a Bible study. I'd love to get to the point where we have... Some men, and I say men because it's probably better for me to have men than women, right? Okay, that that have time and they want to just hang out. That's what discipleship really is. So I was meeting with some folks yesterday, and we were going through a, a Bible study, and we got one one verse. We were doing First Timothy chapter three, verses fourteen to seventeen, and we never got to talk about it because we started talking about everything else, and and it was areas that they were interested in. It was really kind of exciting to me because I love when people want to learn. Does it make sense? That's what discipleship's all about. Discipleship isn't you have to do what I want you to do. Discipleship is I'm meeting you where you're at and I'm teaching you the things that God is putting on your heart. And so think about it. We never read about Jesus sitting down and doing a Bible study. He's just teaching them as they, as they go. When Marsh and I had the opportunity to go over into Israel, it was really kind of neat. Um, our guide was an archaeologist, a Christian archaeologist, Gordy Franz. And Gordy had a lot of the word memorized, and which is very exciting as well. And so we, the bus stops. We're up in Galilee. The, the map's gone. We're up in Galilee, and we just stop on a road. Just stop in the middle of a road. The bus stops. And he says, all right, everybody out. And we climbed over a, a, a stone fence into a sheep field. And we started climbing up through the sheep field. And at the top of the sheep field, there was a, um, a, like a, a small cave where they would store the sheep at nighttime, and there was a little sheep fold that was there. And anyways, he taught, and he started quoting John 10 to us. And then from, then, so we went through the whole thief comes through, and I don't want to take time. But then we, from there, we, we went down the other side, and we went to this, this dirt road, this dirt road. And while we're walking on the road, Gordy turns around, and he says, the sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, and he's walking backwards, talking to us like Jesus would have. And as he sowed the seed, some of it fell upon the hard soil. And sure enough, we're walking on the what? The hard ground, right? And the birds of the air came and they plucked up. He says, but some of the seed fell upon the rocky soil. And sure enough, in that very spot that Gordy chose 
coincidentally, I'm sure. Anyways, what was right next to it? The rocky soil, right? And then he goes on and says, but some of it also fell upon the, the thorny ground. And sure enough, what was there next? The thorny. And then some of it, though, fell upon the, the good soil. And sure enough, wasn't there a farm sitting right there? And so the transition at a farm, you think about that, it kind of makes sense, right? You've got the path, you've got the rocky, then you've got the thorny area where it had been plowed up a little bit, rocks taken away, but the thorns are coming on the edge, and then you've got the good. That's how Jesus taught. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. Do you realize that you're preaching every day by everything you do? People are watching you. People are learning. So, is what you say salted with the word of God? Are you shining like the city of Hippos? I meant to show that. That was there. That was a city that was set upon a hill. Um, but it's right near where the area that we're talking about. But it's set on one of those mountains that coming down along that east side. Okay, Hippos is sitting there. And so it was that landmark that, again, the, 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 the sailors looking out, they could see that and they would know true direction based upon it. That's who we are. So the process of discipleship is a, is a flowing thing. It's not a click, click, I've got... You schedule for an hour this week. That's what discipleship is. Now, that's a part of it. That's part of our culture. But how I would yearn to have a group of men. I mean, think about that. These guys did what? They lived together, traveled together, but they left everything. That was the very end. Remember last week? Um, Can I first go bury my father? Jesus said what? Let the dead bury the dead. But you come with me. In other words, it's time to what? Leave Everything. Peter had a mother. Or, I'm sorry, mother-in-law. He had a wife, because he had a mother-in-law. He probably had kids. Yeah, he had a mother, too. Yeah, I know you're smiling. Yeah, he probably did have a mom, too. Anyways, whether she's alive or not, I don't know. But at least his mother-in-law was alive. He had a responsibility. And he's leaving it to follow Jesus. How irresponsible. That, isn't that what we would say? But Jesus said what? Put me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and what? All these things will be added to you. Anyways, that's all for free. Process of discipleship is all important, okay? So there's the disciples. Then we have the demoniacs. Again, we have another issue. Because Matthew says there met Jesus two. Two. But Mark and Luke refer to one. How do we put these together? Well, I want you to think about that. If if you were at a store and, and it was being robbed... Okay, and, um, and one guy was violent and loud and brash, and the other guy was just kind of hanging out behind him. Okay, and you have multiple people giving the, the testimony. Some would refer back to what there were what there were two, but some would only focus on who the loud brash one. Okay, so apparently there were two. Okay, but one of them is probably noted in the area. Okay. And they know a lot about this guy because he has been what? He has been chained. He has been uh, bound. And he continually breaks the chains, right? And so he's having all these issues, okay? So, so probably there were two, okay? And there's probably actually more than two that were in those areas, okay? Because they're, they're hiding out in the, in the tombs, okay? But Matthew refers to the fact that two came, okay? Luke and Mark only refer to that one. 
okay, who was the, the loud, brash one. So, but their description, look at what Matthew says. They were exceeding fierce that no one might pass that way. How would you ex- describe that? What, what does exceeding fierce that no one would pass that way mean? They were what? They were violent. Yeah, vicious, violent. They might hurt somebody. Okay? So they, you know, they could hurt somebody. Mark says that the, the, um, no one could bind them, not even with chains, and that in, is in the mountains and the tombs, and they're crying out and cutting himself with stones. He was a cutter. Yeah, see, we know the term, right? He was a cutter. Okay? So he's violent, vicious, harmful. He's harmful to himself. Luke says, when he was asked, what is your name? He answered, my name is what? Legion, for we are many. He didn't just have a demon. He wasn't just demon-oppressed or demon-possessed. We'll talk about that in just a real quick moment. Okay? But he had lots of demons. Legion, for we are many. Now, I want to do... I'm trying to... This is all about God and not about me. And so I really try to make a purpose. But I want to give you something about me. Because I have to. Um, Because I don't think a lot of people really realize that Satan is real. We say that. But we don't believe it. Years ago, when I was, I was still in the military, before I ever went to seminary, I was in Atlanta, and I was on TDY. And, um, and so it was an important thing, because I'm, you know, when you, I had been taught before I got saved what you do on TDY. What you do on TDY doesn't get back. Makes sense? So TDY was a whole different story. But now I'm saved, and now I get to go TDY. TDY means temporary duty, okay? So I'm away from my family. I'm in Atlanta. I can do whatever I want to do, and I can, you know, it, nothing ever gets back. But I decided I wanted, so I went and saw John MacArthur. Uh, forgive me for that. Anyways, but I went and saw John MacArthur. I'm joking. And the preacher message. And then I, 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 went, I went back and I, I was trying to read God's word. I sat down in a chair to read God's word. And the lamp beside me turned off. I thought, that's really kind of weird. The chair must be on the wire, right? So I get up off the chair. I... I and I turn around and look at it. There's no wire there. And I thought, that's really kind of odd. So I turned the lamp back on. I sat back down in the chair to, to read God's word. The lamp went off. Right? What do I know immediately? There's spiritual war on. I got down on my knees and I said, God, I don't know what's going on here. But there's definitely a war happening. And the devil doesn't want me to read your word. So I'm asking you by faith, leave that light on. So I turned the lamp back on, I sat down in that chair, and I read God's word. The lamp didn't go off. Now, how does that work out, right? Now, that's one thing, but it gets better. Now I'm a pastor, and I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm pastoring, and I got this speak down at the Bonaire. Many of you know that down on the, the, on the hill. And years ago, it was a um, uh, senior citizen place. And so I got to do a lot of funerals because the senior citizens tend to die. Anyways, I'm getting there, okay? And, uh, and so we have a tendency to die too, even if we're not senior citizens, okay? But I did a lot of funerals. And one, I got to do this funeral. And her son came, and uh, everybody told me, um, and you don't know who I'm even talking about, so I'll tell you his name, was, his name was Vince. And they said, they told me about Vince. Vince needed a lot of help. So I went up to Vince at, after the, the internment, and I said, hey, Vince, you know, I just want you to know that I'd like to help you of whatever way I can. You know, just come talk to me. Here's my card. One day, it was a Tuesday. I could tell you exactly when it was. I got Tuesday. Call, calls me up and says, I need help. I said, okay, what do you need? He says, my mom is, is, is harassing me. 
I said, your mom's harassing you? Yes, my mom is harassing you. Harassing me, what's happening? He said, the, the pictures are, are moving. The, she's appearing in the mirror. Door handles are being turned. My dad's heard it and he's seen it. And I said, you need to come talk to me. I said, come on out. So he comes out to my office and he comes into my office. And real quickly, what I asked him, because I'm going to tell you about the rest of it in a moment, okay? And this is for real. This happened to me. This is what I'm going to tell you, okay? That I said, what's the, if there was one thing your mom wanted more than anything else for you, what would you say it was? She wanted me to love God. I said, is this helping you to come to God? He says, no. I said, and clearly it's not your mom. Now, while we're in the office, my blinds are clicking. Click, 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 click. They're being moved all around. Things were moving around my office. My CDs were being moved. My little trinkets on my, on my um, shelves were being moved around. I didn't see them. I saw the result. He said, they're moving the CDs. I look back, and all my CDs are... Some of you know how OCD I can be sometimes about having things orderly. Don't look at my office now. Anyways, but, but I had them nice in a stack, and they're all, like, spun, okay? The, a lion that my oldest daughter, Jessica, had got me out of the Iwana store years ago, I had sitting on the shelf. It's halfway off the shelf, ready to... to we get down, and we got to pray. We get up, all the pictures of my family, and I had the, every, a picture of each one of my kids in Marsha on one of those, like, L things, okay? I got up. They're all knocked down, okay? There was a lot of fun going on. There was talking about the electro, electromagnetic tinglings going up your back and, you know, whatever. And there was a woman I knew at the time who dealt a lot with um, this realm as well, and I called her. Her name was Ruby, and I said, Ruby, you need to come over here right now. There's a battle going on. And so she came over. Now, I'd like to tell you that guy got saved. He didn't get saved, okay? But I'm telling you, this stuff is real. And as Americans, we downplay it. Okay, and we ignore it. And so many times, now, now I'm going to make a statement. I'm not making a generalized statement. Okay, it's going to sound like one, but I'm not making it. But too many times, we categorize demonic activity as psychiatric problems. This man would be diagnosed with a personality disorder. Okay? Now, I had a slide I, t- I deleted because I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We're going to spend some time on the, psych- on, on the paralytic in a moment. Okay? And so this guy would have a personality disorder, that he would, and he would be given medicines for it. Now, am I saying there's no such thing as a personality disorder? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, and I had an opportunity to teach this at the VA, Uptown VA, years ago. I got to teach um, on scripture and mental health. Okay? And it was kind of fun. I got a whole day to be able to talk to these guys, and they stayed. They didn't have to come back after lunch, but they did. They hung out with me the whole day. And we got to talk about the fact that we are a body, a soul, and a spirit. That's exactly right. And so many times we think about on the, the physical side, and we may even get to the psychiatric side, the soul, the psyche, the suke side, but there is a, a spirit, and there's a spiritual realm that has an effect and we ignore it. And there's so many things that are going on, even in our culture, even in our nation, that are demonic in nature, but we don't believe it. Even as believers, we don't believe it. We say we do. But I saw some of your faces when I started talking about what happened in that office, and you're thinking, whoa, in this town? Yes, in this town. That was in Martinez. Folks, Satan is alive and well, even in the Bible Belt. In fact, he's probably more alive in the Bible Belt because we don't believe he really is there. And we don't think he has power. So, their description is that they got all these problems. But as a whole, they are demonized. So, the the Greek word doesn't mean demon-possessed. It means demonized. 
So we get into this concept of demon possession and demon oppression. It's all the exact same word in the Greek. Okay? The idea is that someone has given themselves over to the influence of demons. Okay? Now, if, you don't, if they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside them, makes sense? Then they've got a void in their spiritual life. So those demons can take like, almost like setting up home. Does it make sense? But even as a believer, now I'm not saying you can be possessed, but you can be oppressed. And if you give yourself over to their authority, which they have none, make sense? They're going to take you for a ride. A little side thing, again, just for free. Again, I've shared this with others, but the Greek word for witchcraft. Okay, other than the people that I specifically have told. Does anybody know it? Just off bet. Pharmakia. Pharmakia. Does it sound like any English word? Pharmaceuticals, pharmacies, pharmaceuticals, drugs. Okay? So, again, I just want you to be careful because that's why Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but rather be filled with the Spirit. The idea is when we place a drug within us, and yes, alcohol is a drug, when we place something within us that reduces our inhibitions, all we're doing is opening ourselves up to the control of something else. That's, I'm, I don't say the Bible doesn't say you can't drink. I think it's a wisdom decision. God gives us a wisdom decision. And so I don't drink, and I'm not putting it on you as a judgmental thing. I don't drink as a wisdom decision. I love white wine. I love Chablis, but the last time I had it was 30-something years ago. But I don't have it because I don't need any help of lowering my inhibitions. Does it make sense? So I don't want to give the devil that foothold. I'm very good at doing that. I know of myself. I don't need to have any substance to help me do that. Okay? So, so I don't know about this guy. You know, in our day, they would say that he's on drugs. You know, LSD. Whew, that's an LSD trip happening right there. The guy's running around naked, and he's, and he's, and he's harming himself. Okay? So, but we know it's not. How do we know that's not what was happening? Because the scripture says so. The scripture tells us what his problem was. Now you've got to make a decision. Do you believe the scriptures or not? His problem was he was demon oppressed. He had given himself over to the oppression of demons. Whether possession, oppression, I'm not going to debate all that. But he gave himself over to it, and they took him for a ride. Okay? And there was, in fact, it was such a party that thousands of them came to be a part of it. I can't imagine what that was like. But these guys come to Jesus with a question. The demons actually speak through him. And just, just wait, let me stop for a moment and tell you one more. I have one more occurrence. I've talked to demons. So I had another guy, and I won't tell you his name, and I'm not going to tell you the demon's name because some of you may remember him and they may, may remember his nickname because his nickname actually was the name of the demon. And so, and I thought so, and I prayed for him, and I couldn't figure it out, and I wasn't sure, because again, when you're counseling, it's kind of hard, you try to figure out, is this physical, is this social, psyche, or is this spiritual, you know? But one Saturday night, I got a call from a guy, and I said, hey, so-and-so, and he says, no, man, this is the demon. And I said, oh, no, he didn't say, hey, I'm the demon, he told me the nickname, you know, because I said his real name, and he said, no, it's this. And I said, oh, okay. So, I said the demon's name. I said, what, what's, what's the problem? And he said, so-and-so is the problem. So-and-so was his real name. He needed to go. He needed to go. 
And so I sat there and I talked to the demon and, 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 and it's kind of hard to do a cast out the demon, you know, from over the phone thing, okay? But, but again, the host didn't want free of the demon. Does that make sense? There's a crit- critical spot there, okay? So Jesus comes and these demons speak to Jesus. And they say to him, what have we to do with you, Jesus? What? Son of God. Isn't that interesting? The demons knew exactly who he was. And they also know his authority and his power. Have you come to cast us into the pit before our time? What do they know? They're going to the pit. Isn't that interesting? Satan knows exactly his end. But he's not quitting without fighting. And years ago, I was going across a bridge, and I'm not going to go into details of it, but with, with a girlfriend of mine, and I'd gotten myself in a little bit of a scrape, and two guys were coming after us because I wouldn't humble myself before them. I wasn't a believer. I was a scrappy city kid. Anyways, and they're coming up behind us, and I put, them, put uh, Mary Beth in front of me, and I said, listen, if something happens, you need to run in the park, and you need to scream bloody murder for a cop because there's always a cop there. She says, I can't leave you. I said, I said you're not going to help me. She said, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know, but if I go over this bridge, one, I'm taking somebody with me. Make sense? That's Satan. He's being thrown into the pit, but he's going to take as many people with him as he can. You got it? Okay? He's, he's lost. He's doomed. But he's taken as many people down as he can. And so he comes, and he knows exactly who Jesus is. And he says, have you cast, come to cast me in a pit? And so then he gives them a request. Instead of that... Would you allow us to go into that herd of pigs? Now, you've got to understand, that's how we know this is on the Gentile side, right? Because there's no pigs allowed in the, the Jewish side, okay? So we're, we're over on the Gentile side. And he says, can we go into that herd of pigs? Jesus says what? Go ahead. What do those pigs do immediately? They run into the pit. Now, you've got to understand, again, Jewish, you missed it. Because if you're not Jewish, you don't understand what's happening. The Sea of Galilee was the picture when they were in the middle of it. That's why they're fearful of their boat going down. Because the Sea of Galilee is, for them, a figurative of the pit, of the abyss. And so if they would die in a boat wreck and they would drown in there, it would be like them going into the abyss. So figuratively, spiritually, what just happened was, he said, yes, you can go into the pigs. They go into the pigs and immediately the demons... Fulfill prophecy. They run the pigs into the Sea of Galilee, which to the Jewish person was the abyss. Do you get it? How interesting. It's all going to play out just like that. But we've got to keep moving on. Um, Finally, the deliverance of them, right? Because at the end of it, I'm going to bring in Luke chapter 8 here. Okay, In Luke chapter 8, when it all plays out, okay, the, the demoniacs, want to go with Jesus. At least one of them does. And Jesus turns to them. Look what he says to them. Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And when he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. What did the demoniac know? Or the guy who used to be the demoniac and now he's what? He's all clean and dressed well. He knows exactly who Jesus is. Who gave him the testimony? The demons. That's exactly right. The demons did. How cool is that? 
Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, he says, he says, Some indeed preach Christ, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds. But what then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. There are people out there who are, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you know, they're, 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 they're workers of the devil, okay? And they may be pointing people to the Bible, but they're only doing it in pretense, trying to earn themselves some money. You know, this health and wealth, name it, claim it, you know, and God will bless you if you send me all your money. That's a cult. That's a cult. It's the same thing the swamis do. You know, send me all your money and come be a part of the occult. And so they preach, but only for their own gain. It's interesting that Jesus, we'll see this when we get to Matthew chapter 10, when he sends them out, he doesn't send them out with anything. He tells them, don't make any money off it. Preaching for Christ isn't a money-making venture. I can guarantee you that. Okay? It doesn't matter, but the rewards are out of this world. If your rewards are only here, that's all you're, what you're going to get. So, he wanted to go, but Jesus said, no, no, you've got to go back. You've got to go back, and you're now going to be a what? A witness. Okay? The swineherds. I've got to take a little bit of time here. And if we can't finish all this, and we've got to stop, and we're going to, we do the next part next week, that's okay, too. But this is fun stuff. Okay? So, the swineherds. Again, we forget about the swineherds sometimes. Where are the swineherds at? Well, they're on top of the mountain, right? And just, isn't that interesting? Go to Google Earth, and what do you see on top of that, those mountains? You see a little mesa there. Okay? See the little place there where, where they can have the farms and everything. And so the swineherds are up on top of that mountain. So you're saying, wonder what they saw. Well, let me show you um, what they're going to see in just a moment, because here we are. Okay? So we have this trip going on from Capernaum over to Kirsa, and in the middle of the night there was a what? A storm. Now, on the left-hand side, it's hard to see, and I didn't know how to lighten this up, but can people see this? That's Lake Thurman. Do you see it? There's mistletoe right there, okay? And so, have you, if you've ever camped at mistletoe, I mean, how many of you ever been up there? You've camped at mistletoe. Good, enough of you have been up there. Even if you didn't camp, you've been there. How far away is the other side of the lake? Can you see the other side of the lake? You can. See that line? It's the exact same line here. This is all, if you could see right here, it says two miles, two miles. So that's the exact same thing. It took me forever to go from Lake Thurman over to, uh, to the Sea of Galilee. But anyways, but I wanted to make sure that I had the exact same proportion going on. It's two miles, two miles. This is, this is exactly it. So you can see how long Lake Thurman is compared to the Sea of Galilee. It's much longer than it. But the distance... From Capernaum over to Kirsa is the same distance as from the Lincolnton side of the, of the lake to, to Mistletoe. They kind of get, I'm, I'm visual. Make sense? So this kind of gives you an idea. So you're at, at Mistletoe. You're camping because you're going to be there at nighttime. If a storm came up in the middle, in the middle of the lake, remember, because this is happening in the middle of the lake, do you think you'd see that storm? If there was a boat out there in the middle of the lake, in a couple boats at that, because remember there were some others with him. Do you think you'd see the boats? Do you get what I'm saying? The swineherds are in a, a position of, of, of having great pictures. So there I am on Google Earth. I came down on top of that hill, and I moved us over to the, close to the edge to give us what the view would be. They're looking out over. They've got a great vantage point for what just occurred the night before. you got these fishing boats. Probably going to be what? 
fishing. They don't know, but they're coming toward them. It probably got their attention a little bit because you got this little bit of a flotilla coming toward you. And then in the middle of the night, out of nowhere, there comes a, a storm. And then immediately, in the middle of the storm, stop. It just stops. And you're looking out thinking, oh, what is going on? And there's one guy standing in a boat. I don't know. I don't know what all they saw. But i got to know that this, this has got their attention, right? And so now this flotilla of boats comes where? Right below them. Right? And where do they go? They go to the place that nobody wants to go. That's why the pigs are over there, too. I mean, think about it. The pigs are over by the, the tombs. Why? Because nobody wants to be by the tombs. Let it be for the, the pigs. Okay? And so during the storm, but then during the interaction with Messiah. So therefore, probably they what? They saw everything that was going on. They heard. Undoubtedly, this guy's crying all the time. They hear him. They know what's going on. And all of a sudden, this guy's what? Quiet. When is he quiet? After Jesus comes, say again. Well, well, the pigs are going crazy in a moment. Do you think if they hear him crying... That potentially, that, do you, well, let me put this way. Do you think that the demoniac guy came out and said, so what do we have to do with the Jesus of Son of God? No. No. He probably went, what are we to do with the Jesus of Son of God? See, I woke somebody up. Anyways, what are we to do with it, right? Do you think the swiners potentially heard? I mean, they probably, there's something going on. They probably got their attention. They're probably looking down over, oh, what is happening here? This guy is stupid. I mean, nobody ventures to pass there. Why? Because this guy is fierce and he harms them. And now he's bringing a contingency? What are we to do with you? And then Jesus does what? Go. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're, you're standing on the edge. You're looking at this thing. You're hearing it going on. What did he say? What, what did he say? Did, did he say, can we go into pigs? What, what did he say? All of a sudden, what? From behind you, over the, they may not even be your pigs. You may be getting paid to watch those pigs. This is a bad day at the office. You get what's happening here? That's what, you got to think what's happening. Don't just read this thing. Read this thing. Understand what's happening. This is a major financial loss today. The stock market just literally crashed into the sea. It was exciting a moment ago. Now it's not so much exciting, because why? It impacted my life. That's exactly right. It has an effect upon me. Well, that leads us then into their reaction. They immediately run into the, uh, the cities and the country around about to what? Tell everybody. This must have been pretty fast, because this all happens before Jesus leaves. So they go and they tell everybody, and everybody's so excited about this thing, and they come running back out. I mean, when you come running back out, I mean, the whole herd, I mean, this is probably your bacon for the next year. Okay? It's, there's some of you who love your bacon more than anything else, you know? Hmm, my wife or my bacon? This is a tough decision. No, anyways. But think about it, okay? I mean, there's a, a big financial loss happening. They all come running out to see Jesus. So the next group we see is... The citizens. And what do they do? They come out and they validate everything that's happened. Do you think that they know who these demoniacs are? Of course they do. And there they are, clothed, sitting in their right minds, having a normal discussion 
they've been healed. They haven't healed. They were what? Delivered. And the people decide what? We need you to leave. Because the financial loss means more to us than the salvation of a couple souls. So I ask you, what's the salvation of a soul worth to you? If you lost it all for one person to be saved, is it worth it? Jim Elliott said, and most of you can probably quote this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jim Elliott, Roger Udarian, and one other guy, what's his name? Nate Saint. How did I miss Nate Saint? And Nate Saint, yeah, the, the, the yellow plane, died at the hands of the Akas after stating that. That's at the end of the spear, if you ever see the movie. That's the, what it's all about. Elizabeth Elliot, Jim's wife, went back down. And God used her after she gave up everything, literally, to lead the Akas to him. And now the Akas are sending out people into other areas. All because Jim Elliot, Roger Udarian, and Nate Saint were willing to put it all on the line. What's a soul worth to you? Is it worth half your food budget? If your neighbor needed money to pay his bills, would you willingly take half of your food budget? What if it meant you couldn't go on vacation this, this year because your neighbor, not a believer, your neighbor, not somebody in the church, not your own kin, but somebody who's not even, I mean, maybe, maybe the guy you don't like living next to you. Now we're stepping on toes, aren't we? Because this is a what? These are demon-possessed guys. Nobody likes them. Let them be demon-possessed. Let me keep my pigs. But what are you willing to lose for people to be saved? Are you willing to leave even your jobs if God calls you to do it? You say, no, that doesn't make any sense. It did for the disciples. And God used them. I'm going to fly right here because we're not going to go through these. So pretend you're not seeing this, okay? Because God's saving me time of preparation this week. I'm taking my family on vacation. And so I was trying to figure out how I was going to get all this done. So God decided that he was going to help me out. But now I've gone too far. All right. (laughs) There we go. So what do you believe about Jesus? Who is he? Who is he? I mean, I'm not asking for your, your intellectual comments. But your gut, in your heart... Who is Jesus to you? Is he really God who can do anything and everything? What do you believe about the wages of sin? The wages of sin is what? It's death. That demoniac, whether we like it or not, now this applies more to next week, so you're going to see that again, okay? The demoniac still had these demons with him. It was his what? It was his choice. Do you believe that Jesus can forgive all your sins? Is it your desire to leave everything to follow him? Is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? It may be that you need to change the way you think about Satan. 
He's real. It may be that you need to change the way you think about things that you struggle with. I'm just being honest. But what I want to really encourage you in at the very end here, and I'll hit that button, is the power of Christ to overcome everything. And there's so many times I think about who I was. Hmm. Let's see. So 85, 34 years ago, 35 years ago, you wouldn't know me. 40 years ago, you certainly wouldn't know me. Living on the other side of the road track, I, get, I understand that demoniac. I get him. And some of you, you get that. You've been on those other sides. It's just exciting to me to see what Jesus can do when you say, if you can save this wicked soul, I'm yours. Let's pray. Father.